Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 14 through 23, called A Fragrant Aroma. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Exodus chapter 29, and I'm going to just set the backdrop for you. Many of you know we've been teaching through Exodus on Wednesday nights, and I just taught this passage, and I don't think that this is happenstance. I believe this is the providential hand of God. Let me tell you what's going on in Exodus 29. The tabernacle, uh, Moses is receiving instructions for the tent, which will then become the future physical temple. And he's been getting instructions about the uh, Ark of the Covenant and how the whole structure is to be built. And the text transitions to the priests, Aaron and his sons. Aaron, the first high priest, his sons will be in line for the priesthood. And so uh, in, in chapter 28, the priestly garments are laid out, the, the crown that says holy to the Lord, the, the vestments, they're very specific about how the garments are laid out. And then the priests go through something called an ordination ceremony. That ceremony laid out in Exodus 29. The closest thing I could say to you that might kind of be familiar to us is the ordination of a pastor into the ministry. So the, the, the father and sons are being ordained. They're going from lay people, kind of, you know, maybe normal parts of the congregation, into being consecrated into the priesthood. And there's a sacrifice, and there's ceremonial washings, and there's uh, arrayed in the vestments of the priest, and there's the anointing of oil, and all this incredible process is going on, including uh, the sacrifice of three different animals. Now, we're going to With that backdrop, take a look at Exodus 29. Look at verse 18. You shall offer up in smoke the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a soothing aroma. Now there's our idea. An offering by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the other ram. This is a second sacrifice. And Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. Confessing their sins is the idea. You shall slaughter the ram... And take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the lobes of his son's right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And sprinkle the rest of the blood around the altar, or around on the altar. Now here's what happens. As they've put on the the vestments of the, the new position that they're in, consecrated, ordained, They go through the the various aspects of the ceremony and then a sacrifice is offered and they take the blood of that animal and put it on their ear, their thumb of their right hand and on their right foot. You're like, what in the world is going on here? Here's what's happening. It's a picture of being under the blood, consecrated unto God so that my ear is now open to my master. My hands now do what he wants me to do in touching the holy things and my feet walk where he would want me to go. It is a total consecration to God, wherein Aaron and his sons and the priestly line are set apart to serve the Lord in spirit and in truth. And there's very specific things that they have to do, including this offering. Now notice what happens next. So then you shall take 21, some of the blood that is on the altar, some of the anointing oil, 
sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and on his son's garments with him. So he and his, so he and his garments shall be consecrated, keyword, as well as sons and his son's garments with him. You shall also take the fat of the ram and the fat tail. This may help some of your diets today. So you can thank me for this. <laughs> and the fat that covers the entrails and the lobe of the liver. And the two kidneys and the fat that is on them. And the right thigh, for it is a ram of ordination. One cake of bread, one cake of bread mixed with oil, one, one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread, which is set before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Now, as the ceremony winds down, the application of the blood, then they take unleavened bread and parts of the animal that will be sacrificed to God. God always gets the first offering. And they wave it before the Lord. Now, this is where the wave, you know, the wave that happens in stadiums all around. This is where it originates, the book of Exodus. Yeah! I'm just kidding. It's, it's not. That's not a proper interpretation of the text. We don't actually know what they did, but the word to wave has the idea of holding it up, and it's possible that they did something like this before the Lord, and then they offered it in fire. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000 in all four Gospels, a little boy brought his lunch, you remember? And he had the five loaves and two fish, and he offered what he had. And the gospel accounts say something interesting. They say that Jesus took the fish and the bread and, he, and his eyes went up to heaven. And we don't know if he did this with it or not. The text does not say. But I had uh, one of our uh, young leaders email me this week and he said, when you were preaching in Exodus 29, we've been studying the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark. And he goes, I wonder... Did Jesus do something like that? So I called my rabbi friend, Rabbi Robert, and I said, Rabbi, what do you think about this? And he goes, I, I don't know for sure. He goes, it's kind of interesting. Think about it. Jesus is our high priest. He takes the offering of a little boy. Did he hold it up to heaven? I said, well, what would he have prayed, Rabbi? And he said, well, he probably would have prayed the traditional prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Did he hold it up? I don't know. But then you know that it went out and it, and it was shared with the whole 5,000 plus women and children, maybe 15, 20,000 people. Our great high priest, did he wave it? I don't know. But we do know this. His life, his whole life, was an offering unto God. And we are to walk in the same manner as he walked. And so in this uh, ordination ceremony as these men are consecrated to the work of the Lord. They wave it, and then look what happens. You shall take them from their hands, this is after they wave it, and offer them up in smoke on the altar, the burnt offering for a soothing aroma before the Lord. Now, this is the imagery in, in uh, Philippians 4. It is an offering by fire to the Lord. Now, if you go on reading, then they get to partake of uh, different parts of the animal. They share in a meal, a communion meal with the Lord in the tabernacle. But here's the beauty of this image. It's a life that is now fully consecrated to God and offers to God their uh, resources, if you will, as a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Sometimes, you know, you'll have a neighbor barbecuing chicken or burgers. You ever had this experience? You're doing work in the backyard, you're like, 
where's that smell coming from? It can't be my house. (laughs) And then you think to yourself, I wish I would have been nicer to that neighbor. Probably would have invited me over for a barbecue. Here's the image. When we live this way, and remember, Philippians is written to a New Testament church. If you turn back to Philippians 4, and we'll finish it up. When we live in this way, brethren, please hear this. Our lives become a pleasing aroma to our God. And the image is of a barbecue and God going like this. That is sweet. Look at that. So maybe you've done something for somebody lately where there was no fanfare. Maybe you showed up, you brought a meal, you prayed for somebody in the hospital, you visited the sick, etc. When you did it for the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. And every time something like that happens, I believe the image that God wants us to see is him going, that is good or well done, good and faithful servant. You don't have to wait till the last day to know that that's what your father thinks when you do well. Amen? We might say it this way. Good job. Well done. You've done nobly. You've done well. Whenever you do something like that for my glory, it's sweet. Now, there are stories in the Old Testament where people groups, you know, the Lord kept warning and warning, and the actions of even the people of Israel became a stench in God's nostrils. That's not what we want. And this is not about salvation here. This is about how the Philippians chose to give. So we know this is not whether or not we're right in God's sight. We're saved by Christ, but we know there's something we can do in the way we choose to live, time, talent, and resources that does go up and please God, that is an acceptable sacrifice to my God. And that's the beauty of a life lived well. And so it does cause, I think, all of us just to step back and ask some big questions about time, talent, resources. Am I engaging my spiritual gift? Do I serve the Lord, etc.? This is an acceptable sacrifice, a pleasing aroma, and it's uh, said in concert with what Christ did, well-pleasing to God. A preacher came to a farmer and asked, if you had $200, would you give $100 of it to the Lord? I would, said the farmer. If you had two cows, would you give one of them to the Lord? Sure, said the farmer. If you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord? The farmer said, now that's not fair, preacher. You know I have two pigs. I like conceptual ideas, not reality. An African boy listened carefully as his teacher explained why it is that Christians give presents to each other on Christmas Day. The gift said the teacher, is an expression of our joy over the birth of Jesus and our friendship for each other. Well, when Christmas Day came, the boy brought the teacher a seashell of lustrous beauty. Where did you ever find such a beautiful seashell, she said. The youth told her that there was only one spot where such extraordinary shells could be found, a certain bay several miles away. Why, why it's gorgeous, said the teacher, but you shouldn't have gone all that way to get a gift for me. His eyes brightened, and the boy said, Long walk, part of gift. And when we do even the smallest thing for the kingdom of God, it's part of the gift. And the Lord is pleased 
with such sacrifices. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, anxiety. What is it and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy. And I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his heavenly father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. An African boy listened carefully as his teacher explained why it is that Christians give presents to each other on Christmas Day. The gift, said the teacher, is an expression of our joy over the birth of Jesus and our friendship for each other. Well, when Christmas Day came, the boy brought the teacher a seashell of lustrous beauty. Where did you ever find such a beautiful seashell, she said. The youth told her that there was only one spot where such extraordinary shells could be found a certain bay several miles away. Why, why, it's gorgeous, said the teacher, but you shouldn't have gone all that way to get a gift for me. His eyes brightened, and the boy said, long walk, part of gift. And when we do even the smallest thing for the kingdom of God, it's part of the gift. And the Lord is pleased with such sacrifices. So maybe some of you have gotten the notion that God's always mad at you or that you're never quite doing enough. But this little Philippian church, by sending what I would imagine was probably a relatively small gift to the Apostle Paul, every time they did it, it went up to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. And I think that's the beauty of this text. And now a beautiful promise. And my God, Philippians 4.19 shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, when we live this way, here's what we have as a promise. We can stand upon this. God will supply all our needs, not all our greeds, but all our needs. This is a story about a great pastor named Ironside. Related to Philippians 4.19, early in his ministry, Harry Ironside had an experience that illustrates this provision. On one occasion, he acted on faith, as he often did, to preach for two weeks in Fresno, California. But the time came surprisingly to him when he was entirely out of money and had no funds with which to eat. 
He was even forced to check out of his hotel room and leave his suitcase at a local drugstore to pick up later. There was some complaining and bitterness. And when the thought of Philippians 4.19 crossed his mind, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, his spirit rebelled. Why then doesn't he do it? He questioned. It seemed that God had promised, but he was no longer keeping his word. That night, as he settled down under a tree on the lawn of the courthouse in Fresno, God spoke to Harry Ironside concerning things about which he had grown careless. In his prayer and meditation, he experienced a spiritual awakening. From that time on, the work was better. It went better. Old friends appeared, first to invite him to lunch and later to provide accommodation. The church to which he was ministering took a collection to help him out on his return journey. At the end, he went to the post office and found a letter from his father, much to his surprise. He opened it, and there, staring him in the face, was a postscript that said, God spoke to me through Philippians 4.19 today. He has promised to, to supply all our need. Someday, he may see that I need a starving. If he does, he will supply that. Ironside says, oh, how real it all seemed then. I saw that God had been putting me through that test in order to bring me closer to himself and to bring me face to face with things that I had been neglecting. He wrote later that he wished to share the experience with others who may be going through similar times of testing. You see, when it says that God will meet all of our needs, Sometimes our greatest need might be to go in need. Y'all understand what he's saying? See, sometimes our greatest need is not to have everything right at our fingertips. Sometimes when the need is not necessarily right there, we start to do a little bit of introspection about our greatest needs, which are not necessarily material or physical but they have to do with our relationship with the Lord and spiritual things. And Ironside had an awakening that day. And it caused him to ask some deeper questions about where he was with the Lord. And the Lord did a beautiful work in his life. You can see the hand of God moving. My God shall supply all your needs from his limitless resources. Look at verse 19. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, everything in the universe is at his beck and call. Not one thing could he not bring into your purview or into your life if that's his will by his providential hand. And so this helps me to see that there may be times in my life where he's doing something different to get a message to me. And so we live with confident joy in the promises of God. One more story from, this is Boyce's commentary on Philippians. He writes, years ago, Now, a delightful old French woman told me a story from her own life that illustrates this principle. In her youth in France, she had been taught to make a little box of Bible verses containing a selection of promises from of God from Scripture. Each verse was written on a small piece of paper about the size of a piece of chewing gum. Each was then rolled up to make a miniature scroll. After there were 40 or 50 of these small scrolls, they were placed on end into a tiny open box. This was the promise box. She had been encouraged as a child to pull out one verse each morning and read it. One day during World War II, when she was much older, 
She was feeling terribly discouraged by many things that had happened in her life. In her depression, her mind turned to the little box of promises that had been long since forgotten. She went to the drawer of the dresser where she kept the box and took it out. And she prayed, Lord, you know how depressed I am. You know that I need a word of encouragement. Isn't there a promise here somewhere that can help me? She finished praying and stepped over to the window where the light was better for reading. As she did, she tripped over a loose edge of the rug and all the promises spilled out onto the carpet. She immediately got the point and prayed again joyfully. Lord, how foolish I've been to ask for one promise when there are so many glorious promises in your word. The promises just spilled out of the box. And that is our God. And he knows right where we are. Sometimes when we have questions, even about scriptures that we've memorized as little kids, and sometimes we ask, Lord, what are you doing? And what's going on here? He knows what we need. He knows the most important needs of our soul. And now the final verses. And now to our God and Father, 20, be the glory forever and ever. All God's people said, amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The gospel had even permeated to the emperor's household, probably through witnessing to the guards. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. New King James, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to A Fragrant Aroma, part three on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 14 through 23. And that was the final message in this series. But if you missed any of the messages in this series, you can go back and listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line, brothers and sisters, is that our lives can be a fragrant aroma. Isn't that beautiful? Our lives can go up to God and please him. That's the image. And it's, and it's beautiful to think about a life that puts off the fragrance of Christ and really blesses others, but blesses God. And that's an amazing thing, isn't it? That we can bless God, that our lives can be pleasing, a pleasing aroma to him. Well, hey, I want to thank all of you who support Walk in Truth, all of our partners, all of you who give monthly gifts or one-time gifts to Walk in Truth. We are certainly so grateful. And I want to take a moment to give a shout out to Eugene from the Bay Area for your recent gift. We have, I believe it's Janelle from Buena Park, Edward, Yvonne, Emmy, and some anonymous givers as well. For all of you, we just want to say thank you. Because by your giving, you've helped us to cover radio costs, to reach out further. And you've also sent a message to us that you believe in what we're doing as the word of God goes out. We've been telling you about a project that we're working on for our Walk in Truth partners that uh, sign up for monthly support and walk with us. The two walk together as we're agreed. And it's coming soon. So we just want to let you know there's going to be some special things for all of you who become monthly supporters of Walk in Truth. And a big thank you one more time. Well, here we are on Labor Day. And, uh, you know, the question is, do I have any thoughts about labor? (laughs) Well, you know what? I appreciate hard work. I will tell you that. Um, All of you who work hard uh, to make this country go, small business owners, 
those of you in corporate America, those of you who maybe drive a truck or own a farm or own a restaurant, uh, I really enjoy going out to restaurants and especially ones that are not necessarily chain restaurants and seeing often the owner there and a small group of employees really doing a great job. All of you who work hard, you know, this this country has been on the cutting edge for a long time with inventions, with technology, and we, we've been blessed. And I pray that we don't lose our way. And for all of you who work hard, uh, those of you who labor in the ministry, I know it's a labor of love, but yet it is hard work. The ministry is not easy. If you're a pastor, pastoring a small church, I've been there before. Uh, I was bivocational for quite some time, though ordained. Um, I did both, and I know how taxing that can be. I did it while our family was relatively young. But I just want to give you some encouragement that for all you who labor and are heavy laden, rest in the Lord. Maybe even if it's just for a window of a, of a couple hours or a day. If you get Labor Day, um, hopefully you do. Just just rest in the Lord. That's my encouragement to you. So God bless you. We're so grateful for all of you who listen, all of you who work hard, those of you who work hard at preaching and teaching, those of you who work hard and give to ministries like this. We appreciate it. We love you. Enjoy the holiday. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane Lance, as they have a conversation wrapping up this series in Philippians and talking about our next series, taught by Pastor Shane, in the book of Philemon. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.